0: What do nurse practitioners need to thrive in their lives and careers, and how can they be supported to do so? Let's talk all about it with Amanda Guarnier, the founder of the NP Society, right here on episode 342 of The Nurse Keith Show hey there this is nurse keith this podcast is of course always all about you your personal professional development your career and the healthcare system as a whole and i'm here to share education ideas some diatribes, and very informative interviews like today's with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride. And here's a very, very special request from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart. If you find value in this podcast, please consider becoming a valued patron over at patreon.com creating over 350 actually 360 episodes incurs a lot of costs and will continue to do so and right now in 2021 i'm asking 100 regular listeners to pledge two dollars a month for a year $2 $2 a month for a year. That's $24. You can always pledge more and get some great stuff and premiums from me in return, but $2 a month would be really awesome. So head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse to sign up and show your support. You can also show your support for Nurse Keith coaching and the Nurse Keith show by referring yourself or a friend or colleague or family member or your next door neighbor for holistic career coaching with me nurse keith i coach nurses and healthcare professionals like you from all around the world and if you mention amanda guarnier or the NP Society, you can get 15% off your first coaching package. So there, see if you want to refer yourself for somebody else. The show notes for this episode where you'll want to learn all about Amanda and the NP Society will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 342. I can't believe we're close to episode number 350. Amanda Garnier, you have been on the show before and your last episode is one of our most popular ones. It was episode 306. It was called Resumes Bots Artificial Intelligence and the Brave New Job Search Paradigm and there'll be a link in the show notes and you and I basically talked for an hour about the world of careers and job searching and why Artificial intelligence is now involved in reading our resumes, which is very disquieting to many of us. It feels kind of Orwellian. But now you're here to talk about something else. And you're here to talk about the NP society. And this is something you created to support nurse practitioners. So what is it about NPs in 2021, where you felt like oh my gosh, I need to do something because NPs need this. What is this that they need?
1: Thank you so much for having me back. It's always fun um, to chat with you.
0: Not the last time, darling.
1: Right, I hope not. So what I've noticed in my 10 plus years as a nurse practitioner is that we are a bit unique in the sense that we don't have the same type of community and camaraderie that our registered nurse colleagues have. And what I wanted to do was provide a space for nurse practitioners to come together and to be in community with one another so that we can support each other, not just on the clinical side of things, not just on that big learning curve that we all go through, but also our work-life integration and, and what it means to be a whole person outside of our careers. And I had this epiphany moment uh, a few months ago, well, it's almost a year ago now. When my alma mater, Yale School of Nursing, hosted an alumni Zoom event, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, they said, "Come together. We can't have an alumni event in person, but come see your classmates who you haven't seen in ten years." So there was a group of us together. Maybe twenty or so people showed up, and it was really like a roundtable and everyone started sharing their experiences, particularly of working during the pandemic and, and many of them being mothers and dealing with, you know, having their kids at home and all sorts of different challenges. And, you know, at the beginning of the call, they were really, um, you know, you, you could feel that everyone was really struggling. And by the end of the call, by the end, of the time that everyone got to share their experience and just kind of hold space for one another, they all breathed a sigh of relief. And everyone was saying, wow, I just feel so much better by sitting here and talking to people who understand and who get it and can you know, validate my experience. And that was my light bulb moment that this type of space doesn't exist for us as nurse practitioners. So I set out to create it myself.
0: Hmm. Okay. That was your epiphany. And you said something at the very beginning of the statement. You said that nurse practitioners don't generally experience the camaraderie that registered nurses are used to and that they were used to as RNs, if they were RNs first, right? Right. Why is that? What's the difference? What have you experienced? Because you were a nurse and then an NP. How do things change?
1: Well, this certainly doesn't apply to everybody, but for a lot of nurse practitioners, they're working maybe as the only NP in an outpatient practice or with just a handful, or maybe not even a handful of other advanced practice nurses. Maybe they're working side by side with a physician or two. So there's not that uh, nurse break room experience or, you know, cafeteria experience, or, you know, even just working on a floor full. Of nurses, you might actually be the only one in your role in your day-to-day workplace. And, you know, it's it's hard to find someone to, you know, to sit with that lunch. This is a metaphor. You know, yes. there, there's there, there might be a table of nurses and a table of physicians, and you might be the only NP um, in your practice. And especially for newer NPs, they might feel or they often feel a little bit out of place, right? They no longer feel welcome with the registered nurses because there's now this role, um, this role difference that has caused a little bit of a, of a dynamic and same Mm -hmm. thing with physicians, you know, we're, we're not within the same scope of practice as physicians. We can't relate to them in the same way because they've gone through this whole different educational path. So, um, so yeah, I, I feel like a lot of them may be feeling like they're on their own in their professional setting.
0: And maybe they really are on their own too. Right. Right. And if they work in a state like New Mexico, for instance, where nurse practitioners have complete uh, prescriptive authority and autonomy, they could be working in an office by themselves. Or they might be working in a clinic, even a federally qualified health center, where the supervising physician, and they don't even need a supervisor, but say the medical director is off site.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: they could be the only provider, or maybe there's a PA or something. Right. Right. So there's the power differential between NP and RN and NP and MD. There's that power differential and the role differences, you said. And then there's just this difference in ways of practicing. My question for you is: Did you experience that change when you went from RN to NP after going to Yale?
1: So, in my in my first position, I was fortunate to be in a student healthcare center at a university, and there were a lot of nurse practitioners. So, I wasn't I wasn't on my own then. I was in a very supportive environment, uh, but in my Next position, I was the only NP in a practice with a physician. It was just she and I, um, so there was definitely I didn't feel like I was plugged into the nurse practitioner community aside from what I made a conscious effort to maintain with my classmates, um, and then you know I I tried to stay active in my local professional organization and go to the annual conference that type of thing. But there's that still wasn't a day to day ongoing community. So I definitely, I definitely felt that in, um, in a few of my roles.
0: Okay. And what about those professional associations, which many listeners will be familiar with either as nurses or NPs or what have you, you know, you have the, you know, whatever the association of, I don't know, adult gerontological nurse practitioners or something. What's the Difference, like you created a society that has a different aim and we'll get to that. What do you experience as a member and a participant in those types of organizations? What's lacking and what what works?
1: So I... I love professional organizations, the more traditional organizations. I'm a member of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, which is probably for NPs, the biggest and and most well-known national organization. Uh, And those organizations have certain priorities. And what they prioritize would be advocacy of the profession. So scope scope of practice issues, governmental lobbying, that sort of thing, policy-related things, as well as clinical education. So they put on annual conferences where you can go and advance your clinical education. And those seem to be the main priorities of the traditional professional organizations. And what I find lacking from those organizations is the opportunity to be in friendship and community um, with other NPs and also strategies, modalities for taking care of the person as a whole person. So when I make the comparison, I like to say that professional organizations, the more traditional ones, really prioritize the profession itself, the mm-hmm. ap- profession of advanced practice nursing, whereas the NP society is on a mission to prioritize the professional as the individual.
0: Ah, okay. Now some of those organizations might differ with you and say, we are advocating for the profession, for the individual, but I hear you. And I, I see the same thing, honestly, that advocacy is great. I mean, we have to advocate for the profession. We have to fight the good fight at the state houses, right? When certain organizations are trying to undermine scope of practice, for instance, or water down nurse practitioner scope of practice. So I totally get that. And, you know, you might go to an NP conference and there might be like a concurrent session on self-care or wellness or something, right? Or work-life balance, but it's sort of like a side note, right? right? It's not the main event. Exactly. And that's, is that a source of frustration for you? Or was that a source of frustration? And you were like, oh my gosh, I could fill this gap.
1: Definitely. And, you know, when I, um, after I had kids, so I was working full time. And after I had kids, I dropped down to part time. And that was for a few different reasons. But uh, I really struggled with, in hindsight, this was was burned out, I realized, but I struggled with maintaining that balance or that integration between my work caregiver persona and my home caregiver persona. They were constantly at odds. You know, I, I couldn't feel the impact of my work when I was at work. And when I was at home, I was dreading returning to work. It was just, it was not a great place. And, you know, I didn't have anybody to turn to, to ask, okay, what is this normal? Um, my work life is bleeding into my home life what can i do to improve this as opposed to you know just leaving the profession or quitting my job what what options are there how can i feel more fulfilled at work how i can how can i feel more present at home so for me my experience came out of my working parenthood um, but there are certainly plenty of other Nps who feel this um, who kind of feel this bleeding of work life and home life, for example, for that new nurse practitioner, who's doing charts two, three hours at home after they've gotten home from work, only to just go, go to bed, wake up and do it all over again. Who does that nurse practitioner have to turn to, to say, is this normal? (laughs) And if it's not, what can I, what can I do about it? Um, So that's really, those are the types of problems that I want to solve in the creation of this community.
0: I see. Okay. And what does it mean to create a community for nurse practitioners? You know, what I hear the the goal and we'll talk a lot more about it in the rest of the episode, but what does it mean to create a society and, and bring people together? You know, what's your I guess the question is, what's your ultimate outcome? Like what's the big vision? Let's go for the, you know, the bird's eye view first.
1: So I would say that the big vision would be that the NP Society becomes a household name for nurse practitioners as a membership that complements their professional organization membership so that they know they can go to whatever professional organization for, you know. CEs and conferences and advocacy and policy, but in their day-to-day community, they have the support network, both in-person and online is my ultimate goal uh, of other nurse practitioners who have become their friends and peer mentors on this professional journey.
0: Hmm. Speaking of mentors then... Mentorship is important for any professional, right? And some of us have, uh, what would you call it? Like a formal mentor, you know, who might get assigned to us Mm -hmm. or something within either a, a educational program or even at a workplace if we're really lucky, right? There might be some actual mentorship program. And then there are the informal mentors, people you either look to and try to learn from and emulate just from afar by observing them. Or there's the people who you ask, like, hey, would you be my mentor? Like, I want to accomplish something. In terms of the NP society, what you've created, is there a mentorship component that's one formal or two informal or both?
1: Yes, that's a great question. That mentorship was and is a big priority of this community. So what it looks like right now is that uh, myself and a few other paid mentors that I have hired to provide support in the community we facilitate group calls that have different themes or topics um, in a in a group setting live on zoom so that's one way that we have kind of this informal group large group mentorship um, the mentors are also available for paid one-on-one sessions that anyone in the society can take advantage of. So that's how we have things set up now. We're also inside our chat community, um, commenting on people's questions and posts and providing them feedback when they have challenges. And what I'm hoping to do um, in early 2022 is my goal, is to include a small group component for every NP society uh, member. So that when you sign up, you get assigned to a small group, maybe 20 or fewer people who meet monthly and have a designated mentor who I've trained and hired to facilitate this group for more deep discussions and and more one-on-one attention. And In that group, I'm hoping to also foster peer mentorship because I think that that's kind of an underutilized form of mentorship when we know how to help and facilitate others through a problem. Um, We don't always need to be with more experienced mentors traditionally. We can actually mentor each other more than I think that we realize.
0: Good point. That's a good point. And can I make a safe assumption? that the things that get discussed and the resources you're providing are around many universal themes. There might be wellness and self-care and work-life balance, but there might be stuff that's like clinical stuff. Absolutely. Like I'm having a really hard time with with renal disease management. And I don't have anyone to, to really lean on to ask questions of. So there's a clinical component and the career work-life balance, et cetera.
1: Absolutely. We have a monthly, yeah. a monthly masterclass where we invite a guest expert speaker on a particular topic, usually a clinical topic who will come and teach mm-hmm. us something, but Yes. Also in the group, people are asking those types of questions. And, you know, we try to foster this environment of um, being problem solvers and being action takers. So, So we try to discourage questions like, what are the guidelines for antibiotics for strep throat? You know, we don't want people coming and uh, avoiding doing their diligence of utilizing their resources. But mm-hmm. so the clinical questions we get are much more complex and usually have a side of um, of a social issue or a systemic issue, you know, someone who can't pay for their medications or is refusing an important referral, that type of thing. Those, those really, those are the most difficult clinical scenarios, I find as an NP, you know, the the guidelines and the textbook cases are easy. So we're not seeing as much of that, um, but more so those kind of intangible multifactorial problems.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. And I have a question for you. You know, there's there's full practice authority, you know, autonomy for NPs in about half the states of the country, right? Mm -hmm. Somewhere around there, yes, twenty five ish or something. Um, New Mexico was one of the first, I believe, and we have a pretty we have a pretty broad, deep scope of practice here. It's a really good model. So my question is, when you're going to school to become a nurse practitioner, is it? And this is a broad. Generalized question and you can get as granular as you want. Is it exciting that, like, I'm going to get out and I can practice autonomously and open my own place and hang my own shingle? Or is it terrifying (laughs) to think that, oh my gosh, there's full practice authority. I'm like scared out of my wits. Or is it a mix of both? Like, what do you hear from nurse practitioners who are just emerging and they're experiencing that? paradigm
1: yeah that, what's that,
0: it like for them
1: that is a great question and I think that it it's highly dependent on two things the first being the type of person they are the type of personality they have their level of comfort with with being just an independent thinker and and how they process mm-hmm. some people really need to externally process with others to make their decisions. So that type Good of person point. isn't always the best, isn't always going to embrace full practice authority. Uh, but the other thing that really influences this is the quality of their NP education. To be honest, there is unfortunately a broad spectrum of NP education quality in this country at this moment, which is not great. I mean, there's, there's work to be done on that end. So that usually has a big impact. You know, have they been taught by nurse practitioners who are embracing full practice authority and have taught them, mm. you know, the skills that they need? Have they had positive and enriching clinical experiences? Um, and and all of that becomes influenced by the quality of their education. So um I kind of have seen both Both sides. You know, I know personally when I graduated, I was enthralled with the idea of having my own practice and Hmm. full practice authority was such this, you know, shiny, uh, amazing opportunity. Hmm. I've evolved a little bit in how I feel about it just because of the specialties that I've worked in. You know, my the majority of my training now has been in emergency medicine. So it's not entirely relevant for me because. There aren't really nurse practitioner um, run emergency departments in, in the types of communities I've lived in, but yeah, I really see, um, I see the spectrum of, of people's reactions to the idea.
0: I see. I can imagine it could be, (laughs) it could be absolutely terrifying. And, you know, if you end up in a practice where you don't have the right kind of support could be really terrifying, so i yeah. I totally get that, so in terms of practice autonomy, then that's something that nps are um, pushing for and advocating for, and it's going to expand i mean there's no there's no question, so right. these sort of things are going to keep coming up for people in your world, and the n p society is going to provide support i'm sure for people around that. Mm-hmm. So when we come back from the break, I want to talk about the Resume Rx because we can't ignore that sure. because you and I've collaborated a lot. And it's also your last appearance on the show is one of the most popular. And I also want to talk more about the NP Society, more about your vision, and then more about how the society wants to move forward and some of the events you're planning. Sure. And if if listeners hang out, For the second half, they'll hear how they can get a pretty significant discount if they want to attend an upcoming event in October, very shortly. So we'll be right back for the second half of episode 342 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client. You'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me and there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages updates from my blog and my podcast resources and all sorts of other stuff remember nursekeith.com sign up for that newsletter and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you anyway those are my sincere asks today so now let's dig back into today's topic without further ado And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Please remember the show notes are located at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 342. And we're here again with my friend, my colleague, and friend of the pod, Amanda Guarnier of the NP Society and the Resume RX. And prior to the break, Amanda, we were talking about full practice authority and the, the ups and downs of that reality. And we are also talking about the ways in which np's are and are not supported and educated and the ways in which you're trying to actually improve that through the formation of the np society and we're going to talk more about that and about your upcoming virtual conference your your inaugural virtual conference right yes so we'll talk about that in a couple minutes but first i want to talk about the resume rx because listeners who've heard you before Heard you on your last episode here, and that will be in the show notes so that people can check out that episode. So that was number 306. So was some time ago. But let's talk about the resume RX. So you have a company, a business that helps nurses with resumes. And you also, as part of that, you sometimes will consult on, let's just say, um, problematic or complex resumes for me and my clients because sometimes I need that extra set of eyes and your amazing brilliant brain to help me figure out how to how to fix a resume for somebody who has a complicated history let's say so tell us a little bit more about the resume rx and kind of where it's at now in terms of your silos of work you've got your clinical work You've got the NP Society and the Resume RX. So, what's happening in the that particular realm of your life?
1: Sure. So, um, right now at the time of this recording, I am on a clinical sabbatical, so mm-hmm. I am not working clinically at the moment. So, uh, this the Resume RX and the NP Society are currently my full time focus, and it's been that way um, since the beginning of the pandemic for a multitude of reasons and. It's actually been a really great opportunity for me to focus on growing the business and and focusing on what nurses need from a business like Mm -hmm. mine, uh, which really has been a very fulfilling, impactful experience for me to be able to give them what they need in in this time where career changes have been plentiful let's say career pivots yes. job changes um so the resume rx is i would say the the primary silo of the business and what we do is we provide resume templates cover letter templates word for word scripts for difficult professional conversations as well as some tutorial lesson courses for people to write their own resume. I think that it's a great life skill to have. So I have made it my mission to create the resources so that anybody, any nurse can write an outstanding resume for themselves. So uh, for that reason, the majority and, and pretty much all of my services on the Resume RX side are digital products. So they're templates, courses, info products. So as opposed to working with me one-on-one directly. And I I did used to write resumes for clients. And then I realized that people were doing almost better work than I could do for them with just the right resources um, that I was able to provide them. To do themselves, so that's the resume RX side. It continues to be um, uh, a great community, a, a great um, and growing opportunity. Um, so I I love being able to provide those those resources, and you know by cutting back on my one on one services, it frees me up and allows me space for a few different things. Um, Not the least of which is consulting with people like Mm -hmm. yourself, Keith, when you, uh, when you need to, you know, borrow my brain for a bit, coming on this podcast and and reaching even more people um, is, is the best use of my time and the most fun use of my time. And um, it also gave me the space to create the NP society, uh, which we've spoke about is, is more of a, a membership, um, a membership model of a, um, of an opportunity.
0: Right. Yeah. And the resume RX is awesome. And that's why I originally reached out to you, I think, and we connected and then you were consulting on resumes. I had you on the show. And again, that's a really, really popular episode. And I share it with people all the time when we're working on their resume. I'm like, listen to this conversation with Amanda because she's brilliant. And this will help guide you and let you understand where we need to head. And some people do want the one-on-one and I still offer that. And I don't have any plans to stop at the moment. But I hear you that what what you offer is, is a very particular type of service and product. And people actually buy your resume templates from Mm nursekeith.com. And sometimes what happens is, because I don't have to create the templates because you have them, you offer them and they're very affordable. So what happens with a lot of nurses is I, I design sort of a normal linear resume, the kind that you're used to seeing, um, because there's no reason for me to try to create a template because they already exist and you make the best ones. So I just help them with the wording and we will design a very attractive, um, very simple, readable, scannable, um, linear resume. And you've seen the ones that I create. You've consulted on some and they're, they're, Straightforward. Let's just say that. And then I always tell my clients, like you can go and buy a template from the resume RX and take what we've written and plug it in there. Just copy and paste it right into the template. So that's how sometimes people will make use of my services and your products together. So that's that's a great symbiosis that you I and agree. I, have. I
1: agree. Yeah. Mm.
0: So if anyone wants to see the templates, they are over at nurseheath.com under resources or just go to the resume rx. So turning our attention back to the NP society, let's look at the bigger profession. I hear you about wanting to create a place where nurse practitioners can come together and and talk and listen and support one another. In terms of the wider profession, we talked about organizations and associations that have conferences and they serve a purpose, right? Right what do you feel like the NP society can do otherwise that, uh, that we have not talked about yet in terms of filling the gaps where the profession is kind of, hmm, I'm not going to say failing, but isn't quite reaching the nurse practitioners with what they completely need. What are some of the other gaps?
1: Yeah. So I would say that, um, you know, the np society was created out of uh, market research essentially which is a term that we use in business to explain how we listen to our ideal audience and create things in response to what they're saying and and take their feedback and have it mold whatever it is we're talking about in this case the np society and you know, in the profession, in the NP profession, there are there are a lot of people talking and, and complaining and there are a lot of opportunities for improvement, um, but I don't necessarily know who is listening and who is doing that market research. You know, we touched earlier that there are some educational standard issues among different programs, but there's not really a united voice that is speaking up or, or making any headway about issues like that. And Mm. um, could the NP society potentially be a place that we could collect that market research and, and present it with the decision makers for those bigger problems that exist within our profession? Um, Maybe. I mean, it's definitely something that we talk about amongst ourselves and, and I hope that with more members and and more growth, um, that we could be the, you know, the perfect group to turn our ideas and thoughts into, into action in that regard.
0: Well, I hope so. And, and I'm going to do my best to support the NP society. I'm trying now and. See how I can help get the word out too, because I think it's very important and it is filling and can fill in the future some really important gaps that you continue to identify. And can we just talk a little bit more about the bigger profession, the NP profession? I have a couple questions for you questions that listeners might have. So, one, I notice. A lot of people reaching out to me, maybe you are similar, who've gone the FNP track, right? Um, and once they get out and they, they can do what they were meant to do or feel they're meant to do, which is often primary care, right? As an FNP, so many of them seem disillusioned because they were trained as nurses and nurses get a different type of training than doctors, So there's similarities and the 15 minute visit for primary care, especially when you're working with people with multiple comorbidities and complicated socioeconomic and psychosocial issues, the 15 minute visit does not cut it. And I hear from a lot of NPs who are charting till midnight, spending their weekends charting. Are you hearing the same thing? And is it is this rush to become a family nurse practitioner i'm not going to say misguided but are people really disillusioned in a big way about this particular world
1: yeah i i hear what you're saying i hear the same things among okay. my my community and among my peers and yeah. it it can be really troubling because many nurse practitioners Go to school to make a big impact and to have more of a hand in the health and success of their patients, and to come up against all these barriers can be incredibly frustrating and can really contribute to NPs feeling burnout or professional regret. Um, and you know, something that I see a lot that I caution against is. RNs who are experiencing burnout or exhaustion, compassion, fatigue, what have you, they have some sort of dissatisfaction with where they are. And rather than taking a holistic view of what's next, the kind of reflexive response is, oh, I'll just go back to school to get my NP. Mm -hmm. And, And I personally don't think that's the right reason to do that. I think that in order to have an impact and to be able to withstand the the frustrations and the difficulties that we just outlined of everyday FNP work or primary care work, you really have to have the right reason why. Because otherwise, what I see happening is an RN who's burnt out goes back to school to become an FNP, moves to the outpatient setting, works in primary care, and that kind of same Cycle continues, and they realize that wasn't the answer to the problem that they originally
0: had. Thank you. This is that's exactly what I thought you were going to say, but I wanted to hear it from you. And I'm glad you're corroborating what I'm hearing. So it's it. I'm not glad, but I'm. It's good to hear that you're hearing the same thing, so that we know this is pretty universal. Yeah. If you and I are both hearing it from, you know, multiple people on a regular basis, it's it's frustrating to me to watch people say, you know, what I want to give up my certification as an FNP and go back to working as an RN. However, now I have this like, let's say, hundred thousand dollar debt mm-hmm. for becoming an NP, and I'm only earning like eight thousand dollars more a year than I was earning as an RN. <laughs> So it's, it's a really painful calculus to watch unfold yeah. before my very eyes when I'm talking to people. And I know it's painful for them too. Now I have another question for you. And then we're going to talk about your events coming up sure. before we close. What is your opinion, if you're willing to share it, about direct entry NP programs? People who have worked in another field Like maybe they've been an engineer or whatever, right? And rather than becoming a nurse first, they go directly into a direct, what do they call it? Direct entry master's program to become a nurse practitioner. I have some reservations about these programs and about people's experience becoming NPs without first having worked as nurses. Do you have an opinion or willing to share or observations you'd like to share about that?
1: Absolutely. So you may not know this, Keith, but I went to a direct entry nurse practitioner program 12 years ago. So I am, yes, I am one of those people. So, so that is where, that is how my opinion is formed through, through the lens Mm -hmm. of my experience. So I will say that personally, I went to a very competitive school. I went to an Ivy league school that had a rigorous admissions process that accepted a small percentage of the applicants. I don't say this to toot my own horn, but to provide the context
0: of,
1: of the quality of the education and the quality of my classmates. Um, I, there were classmates of mine who had just outstanding previous careers in global health and, and even non healthcare adjacent fields. So I think that for the person with the right aptitude, the right um, vision and the right reason why and the right level of maturity. Hmm. I think that a direct entry NP program can turn out an NP as good as if not better than someone who went a more traditional route. Um, In my program, I did have to become an RN first. I did choose to work while it in school during my np program um but yeah my the extent of my rn experience was probably 2 to 3 years total so definitely less than um
0: less than most but 2 to 3 years is pretty good actually
1: yeah overall it was yeah. it it was great it wasn't i didn't do Critical care, like I wasn't ICU Mm -hmm. trained. I wasn't even on a med surge floor. All my RN Mm -hmm. experience was in the outpatient setting, which served me fine because my NP, my NP path was also in the outpatient setting. Right. So, based on my experience, you know, I have a a positive perception of of what I went through. Um, But, kind of talking to our earlier point, it really depends on the type of educational quality of the program, You know, I'm not going to pretend that all direct entry programs, and especially now, you know, 10, 12 years later, are as rigorous of an application process um, as what I experienced. So, so certainly, you know, the quality of candidate is probably not, not the same. I would say that, you know, my, my biggest concern is that nurse practitioners are entering the field for the right reasons. Right. Um, And yeah. And for the most part, I'd like to think and this is my idealistic view. I'd like to think that those who've had a career in another field who pivot and decide that they want to become not just a nurse, but also an advanced practice nurse, hopefully have a deep down reason why they want to have that end target as a because it's probably not. Just about the money. Um, because as you've mentioned, you know, financially, nurse practitioners aren't wildly more successful than RNs. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd like to think that that's, uh, that filters out people who maybe don't have the right aptitude to make that quick transition. Um, yeah. And, you know, the other thing I'll say is on the flip side, I have seen nurse practitioners who were nurses for many, many, many years first who have struggled to make that transition from RN brain to advanced practice brain. So there's definitely a sweet spot. That's probably Mm -hmm. individual per person. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I don't, I don't speak negatively about direct entry programs because of course I can't speak negatively about myself and my classmates. Um, but I, I probably have a more favorable opinion than most people do.
0: Well, thanks for that very nuanced response. That's really really helpful for me and probably for others listening. And I think nuance is the important word here. And my overarching concern and I'm not casting aspersions on direct entry graduates and I hope it didn't come across that way. There are people I've observed who I feel like well, some of them are much younger. They might be in their 20s and they haven't really been out in the professional world that much Mm -hmm. before they entered a direct entry program. They probably, they got a degree in something, but I feel like you mentioned maturity a few minutes ago, and I think that's a big piece in life experience in general. And there are also concerns out there in the world about What they see as nurse practitioner Mm mills, you know, that just churn out graduates, and the quality of education is not like Yale. I mean, you went to Yale. So there are some smaller schools that are really good offering direct entry. So it's just an issue that I hear discussed out there among physicians and others. So I, you know, I I like to ask the questions of people I trust. So here's one more question about the bigger NP world, and then we're going to close talking about your upcoming events you know how physical therapists now are required to have a doctorate to Mm -hmm. become PTs. And that's been this, this drive to professionalize the physical therapy world and to make physical therapists doctors so that they can feel they can stand next to a physician and command the same respect, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of nurses are going for DNPs and or PhDs, which puts them in that, you know, doctor of nursing practice or doctor whatever um, paradigm. And I'm just asking for your prediction, Amanda Garnier's prognostication. (laughs) Do you think that we will ever get to the point where that will be required for nurse practitioners, not an option, but actually required?
1: So my, (laughs) my official vote would be, I think that it will never happen. At least okay. in my lifetime, I don't think that it okay. will ever happen. <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, we've been saying the same thing about the BSN being the minimal entry to practice for 30, 40 years.
0: Yeah. Right? And especially since the Institute of Medicine report came out in 2010 or whatever, whenever that one came out, right? The future of nursing report. Right. So, yeah, I agree. I think it probably won't happen anytime soon there would be a lot of benefits to it and some detriments too. Yeah. So, but you don't foresee it. Happening I don't foresee it. Soon.
1: I don't foresee it happening anytime soon. Yeah. So I don't think that anyone who's listening, who's debating between an MSN NP program that they really, really love versus a DNP program that they're not so sure about. I wouldn't choose the DNP just because you think that it will be required. Um, a lot of schools will be really good at telling you that it will be. And I would just try to see through any marketing, um, marketing tactics in that regard, because I I do think that that has influenced things um, quite a bit. I am a proponent of the DNP. I don't yet have one myself, um, Mm -hmm. but I do see the benefit that they um, provide, particularly for those who are working in leadership and systems and organizational positions so they certainly yeah. they certainly are of tremendous value.
0: Yeah, it does have its place and I've said this before, you know, I don't even have a master's degree. I have a bachelor's. And I won't say only a bachelor's. I don't use the word only or just, but I have a bachelor's degree in nursing. And any deans out there listening, you know, if you have some Honorary doctorates sitting around. That's really on my bucket list is to have an honorary doctorate. So, just saying, you know, I've contributed to the profession a fair amount. So, if you're, you know, if you're just looking for someone to bestow an honorary doctorate on, my hand is raised. Okay. Just saying. Okay. So, anyway, moving right along, I digress. Your virtual conference, you're having the first NP Society virtual conference very soon because we're in. This is airing in October of two thousand twenty-one. When is your virtual conference?
1: So the virtual conference is Friday, October fifteenth, and Saturday, October sixteenth. Okay. Uh, so yes, I'm. I'm very excited. You know, uh, like I said about market research, I listen to my members, and something my members really want is still more um, deeper clinical knowledge and education. So we are filling that gap partly with, um, with this conference, we are um, submitted for approval for CE credits through AANP. So um, yes, we are excited.
0: Yes, I am. I was going to ask you about CME credits. That's great. Okay. So it's going to be a virtual conference, two days. This episode is actually airing on the 8th of October and the conference is the 15th and 16th. So I'm so glad we're getting it out a week prior at least. And people can sign up and they go to npsociety.com or is it the npsociety.com?
1: The npsociety.com. The
0: npsociety.com. And there's also a discount if people would like to sign up and attend the conference, or if they'd like to join the NP society, they could get a 20% discount on either the first month or the entire year. And does that discount extend to the conference itself?
1: We sure can extend it to the conference itself.
0: Awesome. And the code to use is KEITH, K-E-I-T-H. And does it have to be all caps or all lowercase? Does it matter? It does not matter. All right. So if you go to thenpsociety.com, use the code Keith, you can get 20% off your first transaction when you enter Amanda's little universe. So it's 20% off the conference or your first month. If you want to join the NP society and take it for a test drive, or you can join for the entire year, which is what I actually recommend and just sink your teeth into and really make a commitment to making use of the NP society because Amanda is creating something amazing for you. And it's somewhere where you're going to want to hang out because like she's explained, you're going to get something different than you'll get from the other professional organizations, not to cast dispersions on them. They're useful too, but you need a place where you can hang out and really talk with other nurse practitioners and the NP society is the place. So Amanda, we'll have you back again, I'm sure in 2022, and we'll talk about something else. Maybe we'll talk about how the np society has grown exponentially and now you're like you know offering all these amazing additional services and products so we'll just have to see where it goes but i have to opine that you're an amazing person an amazing human being and and nurse and also offering some really singular and and important services and products to nurses and nurse practitioners. So you're, you're like, I'm one of your biggest fans and I think you're just awesome.
1: Thank you, Keith. I, I appreciate you lending your platform um, to me to uh, let your listeners know more about what I'm offering. It's, it's really a pleasure.
0: Anytime. And again, please go to the npsociety.com use the code Keith and you can get 20% off anything you would like to do for your first transaction. So Amanda, thank you so much. This has been great and you'll be back. I promise. I hope so. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember the show notes will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 342. You'll be able to read about the NP Society, visit them, visit the Resume RX have a link to Amanda's previous episode on The Nurse Keith Show, which is one of our most popular. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered and informed. And remember, if you need personalized one-on-one holistic career coaching to elevate your career, look no further than nursekeith.com. If you mention Amanda or the Resume Rx or the NP Society or episode 342, you can get 15% off your first coaching package. And remember my request to become a patron at patreon.com $2 a month would be awesome if you'd like to do that for a year I would greatly appreciate it. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network at the healthpodcastnetwork.com. It is an awesome and growing collection of authoritative, high-quality podcasts about medicine and healthcare and nursing. Please check them out. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston. Thank you, Rob, of 520R Podcasting. And Mark Cappy speason hats off to Mark, is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep touch this is nurse keith singh adios until next time from beautiful santa fe new mexico and amanda guarnier my friend and friend of the pod bidding you arrivederce from
1: redding connecticut
0: redding connecticut thank you so much amanda you are the best and we will catch everybody on the flip side